Welcome to Write Now with Scrivener, where writers talk about how they work, how they develop their ideas, and how they use Scrivener, the app built for long-form writing projects. I'm your host, Kirk McElhern, author of Take Control of Scrivener. Today, I'm very happy to welcome S.J. Watson, the author of the international bestseller, Before I Go to Sleep. Steve, thank you for joining me today. Thank you for having me. Nice to be here. I really want to know why you call yourself S.J. Watson instead of Steve. I mentioned your name to someone a couple of days ago, and they thought that you were a woman because a lot of women use their initials in their names. Yeah. Why did you choose that? Um, well, really, it was because uh, when I was on submission with Before I Go to Sleep, which, as you probably know, is written in the first person, but from a woman's perspective, um, my agent felt it would be quite good to... Um, obscure slightly the fact that I was male. I mean, I, we've not gone out of, I haven't gone out of my way to hide anything. You know, I've got a beard and I have photos taken and stuff, you know, I'm not. But um, it's, it was quite, it was a way of just um, divorcing the person that wrote the book from the, from the book, I suppose. And it, I kind of enjoyed that too, because especially back then, I mean, less so now, but especially back then I was quite a shy person. So it was quite helpful for me to be able to have that distinction between S.J. Watson, the author, and Steve, the guy. <laughs> <laughs> so I had a guest on the podcast a couple months ago, and we were talking about writers developing a career. And she said something like, a lot of writers think that they'll write a first novel, sell millions of copies, have a major motion picture made from their novel. But the odds of that are like being struck by lightning. How did it feel when you were struck by lightning? <laughs> uh, it was great. <laughs> No, it was. I mean, what can I say? It was. It was amazing. It was surreal. It was. Um, I, I mean, I, I completely understand that that take of it being like. It, it feels like I won the lottery. I mean, it's not winning the lottery. I mean, I put a lot of work into the book, but still, you know, there there are and there's an element of luck. Things have to line up, and the, and um, and they did. I never dreamt. Um, you know, my biggest ambition when I was writing before I go to sleep, I, you know, I knew I was on something good. I think I knew I was writing better than I ever had before. And I think I knew that this was my best shot at being published. And so I suppose I was, you know, hopeful that I might be able to walk into a bookstore and see my book on a shelf. But but the the, the thought of it being in the charts at number one on that shelf were, were not even in my Head and certainly, I never even considered that I might one day be, you know, sat opposite Nicole Kidman at a, at a film premiere. So it was, you know, what can I say? It's an amazing, wonderful, surreal um, experience. Not not without its stresses, but you know, the I can imagine, yeah, luxury stresses. So I'm not going to complain about them. That that puts you on quite a stage, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah. How how do you learn to negotiate that? I mean, if I understand correctly, you were working as an audiologist in a hospital. Okay. Kind of like a boffin type job, right? And then all of a sudden you're in the the limelight. Um, yeah, no, I mean, it was a very sudden and very um, complete change in my life, really. You know, financially, certainly, um, in terms of my day job was suddenly my hobby, or vice versa, whichever way you want to think about it. And that, that was the probably the most difficult thing to negotiate in a way because um, I had no experience of that. You know, I was I was used to the writing being an escape from the stresses of work and an escape from the stresses of life, I suppose. I, I, and then suddenly um, that wasn't the case anymore. And, um, you know, it's a... 
again, it's a wonderful thing. You know, it's that cliche about if you're doing a job you love, you, you never really work another day in your life. And I, and I haven't dreaded a Monday morning in over 10 years now, which is, which is great. Um, but it does mean I had to find uh, inner resources to manage my own time that perhaps, um, well, like, there must have was been there, else I wouldn't have got the novel written in the first place. But suddenly, you know, it became, I had to, I had deadlines suddenly and I had agents and editors and it, it was no longer just a, a happy hobby that I escaped to, uh, you know, every now and again, well, very regularly in fact, but you know, it became something else. So no, but it was great. So how did you start writing? What got you into writing in the first place? Oh, God. Well, I mean, I, uh, probably like every guest you've ever spoken to who's an author, I, I've written my entire life, more or less. I've always, I've always, always, always loved books as long as I remember. Um, and it, it's always been my dream and my ambition, really. I remember being at school and being asked what I wanted to do when I grew up. And, you know, I said I wanted to write novels and write stories and have books published. And then whoever I was speaking to kind of probably laughed politely and said, well, why didn't you get a real job instead? Um, but it was always there. I, you know, I've always, to a greater or lesser, I mean, there have been some quite long periods in my life when I've not written very much at all, but it's always been there. I've always been somebody who had a notepad and jotted things down at the very least. And, you know, and I would try short stories and, you know, going back lit literally pretty much as long as I remember, I've always wanted to do it and I've always dabbled. And I think what happened was that I... I just reached a point sort of in my mid to late thirties when I just started to take it a bit more seriously. Um, and I realized that, you know, if I wanted to have a book published, I was going to have to sit down and put the work in it. It wasn't going to just happen. Um, and it, even, even with jotting things down in notebooks and stuff, I still needed to actually, um, you know, sit down and learn the skills and, and yeah, put the work in, put the hours in. So. Yeah, but it's always been there. So you signed up for a course with the Faber Academy, which is a writing course run by the publisher, Faber and Faber. I believe you signed up to the first course they did. Is that correct? Uh, almost. It, it, they'd done a few weekend courses um, and short, shorter courses, but it was the first sort of, it was a six-month course. Um, it was only one session a week, um, but it was the first kind of longer course that they'd run. And did this kind of get you into that rhythm of writing and putting the words on the paper regularly? Um, yes, I think, it, I think what it, I mean, it gave me many things, but one of the big things was it gave me that structure. You know, we, we, um, we, I was in a relatively small group and each of us shared um, work, um, chunks of work with each other regularly. And so, you know, I, I had, um, I had those kind of, deadlines to get another 5,000 words written by, you know, in three weeks time or whatever. Um, so that helped me to focus. But I think also it was the first time I'd been, I'd sort of found my tribe, if you like. I was, I'd done other courses, you know, evening classes in writing, but most of the other students, they were people who, you know, they'd maybe just moved to London and, and they wanted to do a few night classes and meet some people and, and, you know, and that's absolutely fine. You know, there's, of course it is. And, there's an element of that for me as well. But this was the first time I was actually surrounded by people who felt as um, passionately about writing and about words and about stories that I did. And it felt, you know, we encouraged each other and we, you know, I, I think I, you know, I sort of, I learned probably as much in the pub after that, after the sessions than I did during the sessions themselves, because we just chatted work and we chatted characters and we, and we, we shared, um, you know, we became very close very quickly because we shared so much. Um, 
So yeah, it was. I learned a lot on the course, and it, but it was it was about giving me focus. I think I think for me that's what the course gave me. And on the course, this is when you were writing before I go to sleep. Yeah, I I didn't complete it on the course. I wrote about I don't know probably about seventy percent of the first draft on the course, which again well that was enormously um, helpful because I was I was showing the first chapter to people and they were intrigued and it's always you know it's a, it's a good. It's obviously very um, affirming if you show people whose opinions you trust and they're very positive. It kind of drove me to, it, it, it made me realize I was on to something. I was on the right track. Uh, so yeah, so I worked on Before I Go to Sleep on that course. It's one of those novels with a simple idea. And if anyone hasn't read the book, it's about a woman who wakes up in the morning and she finds out she has amnesia. So she'll remember things during the day, but when she goes to sleep, she loses everything. And there's this process where she starts to remember what happened in the past. I reread the book a few weeks ago. I think I read it shortly after it came out. I watched the movie again last night. And the movie is, this adjective gets thrown around too much, but the movie truly is Hitchcockian. Mm. You get that feeling that it's greatly influenced by Hitchcock. Yeah. But it's the, the simple idea is often more powerful in a novel than a complex idea. Yeah. How did you come up with this idea about memory? Now, if you were an audiologist, wouldn't you have thought about someone who's lost their hearing? <laughs> Well, you might think so, but one one of the things I mean, what what happened was I was a I'd been accepted onto the Faber course, and I knew I wanted to be starting a new project rather than uh, trying to finish a book I'd been working on previously. I wanted to start with a blank slate, and and sort of I thought I'd learn more from doing that. So I was looking for ideas. Um, I mean, I, I you know I'm always looking for ideas, but I was actively looking for ideas with a view to you know I've got three weeks to find something I want to work on, or, or a month or whatever it was. And I read uh, an obituary of a man uh, called Henry Malaison who who died, um, and he 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 died in his eighties, having um, suffered with very severe um, anterograde and retrograde amnesia uh, for all of his adult life, essentially. Um, and I just had this mental image of somebody who um, woke up at the age of eighty something, and and the most recent memory was from their teen years or whatever. And I just, and that, that just struck me. And I thought, I wouldn't, there's a character. It wasn't, there's a novel there, but there's a character there. And I wonder what could happen to that person. And weirdly, it was a woman I saw for some reason, although it was a, um, a male, you know, a, a man's obituary that I read. I, I think it was just one of those moments where something connected in a way that I didn't necessarily understand at the time, but it obviously spoke to me. Um, and I think you're right. I mean, part part of the reason I, I never even considered writing about someone who lost their hearing was because it was too close to my day job. And it, and first of all, my day job was something I kind of wanted to escape from, not not <laughs> physically, but you know, when I came home, I didn't want to be spending even more time thinking about yeah. people with hearing problems. Yeah. But also, I I kind of consciously I thought I would write a better novel if I was writing something that was quite divorced from who I was as a as a person. So this kind of just but but those are all kind of intellectual or conscious reasons that I can attach after the fact. The fact is at the time, it just felt like the right story. It felt like a nice, a good character to, to write and lots of material there. Well, we know the sort of truism that's bandied about, write what you know, yeah. yet it's not always the right thing to write about because for you, it, it's still medical, right? So you yeah. still have that idea, but yeah. you didn't want it to be too close to what you were doing because maybe you would have felt invested in a different way and you wouldn't be exploring it from the outside. Uh, yeah, uh, but I think, I think right what you know, for me, that's more about, first of all, making sure that you 
know what you're writing in a way. So if you're writing about somebody, you know, in a very different situation from you, um, do the research, make sure you, you know, you, you, you know what you're talking about. Um, and secondly, I also think it's about taking your own experience and filtering it. So, you know, one example I, I use in my Substack um, uh, newsletter is, you know, if you're writing about someone being stranded on Mars, for example, you know, you have never been stranded on Mars, so you can't speak from personal experience. But you probably have um, been in a situation where you felt lonely and isolated and cut off and a little bit lost. And, you know, so you, and you can use those experiences and just try and, amplify them so i think i think the, the whole thing about writing what you know it's a bit sort of um of an oversimplified uh excuse that some people do use. i mean let, let's face it if i'd have written what i knew i would have written about a slightly bore, bored and bald <laughs> middle-aged audiological scientist living in london wishing that he was a novelist uh, which nobody would have read Oh, you never know. You might have made something out of it. All right. We want to talk about The Experiment, which is, as your press release says, the UK's first open source novel written in real time. You're basically inviting everyone to participate in writing a novel. This is like, is this like a wiki novel? No. Well, no. The idea is um, I I talk a lot in my Substack about um, writing a novel being slightly uncomfortable and there's a lot there's a david bowie quote that i'm always i'm always uh coming back to which is and i'm obviously paraphrasing because i can't remember it word for word but basically in order to do, to, to do good creative work you need to be a little bit out of your depth um you know that's that's a, that's the place to do something really interesting uh when you're a little bit scared and I, I talk about that a lot that when as a writer i think that fear it's not like for me, anyway, it's not like riding a bike where, you know, you learn to ride a bike and then, hey, I can ride bikes now. It's, it's you know, I, I learned to write a novel, I, but the next novel is, isn't just as much fear that it's not going to work or that, um, you know, it's all going to fall apart in my hands. Um, and I, I really what I wanted to do with the experiment was kind of demonstrate that by sharing um, the process, uh, by sharing the draft, you know, I'm writing a draft zero, which... Um, I call it draft zero because I always say to people that you should never show anybody. This is the draft that you should write knowing that no one's ever going to see it. But my plan is to publish it chapter by chapter on Substack. One of my guests recently called that the vomit draft. Yeah, yeah, that's the another, one that you yeah. vomit out, but you don't want anyone to well, ever see whether it. Whether it's the vomit draft or the draft zero, whatever it is, it's about just, just splurging the words onto the page, knowing that no one's going to see them. But I'm probably, well, no, I am going to be showing everybody. Um, and it's really as a way of just showing, look, you know, this is, I think the big, one of the big things about writing um, and, and novels, unlike say an, a, a symphony or a painting is you can't see the work that's gone into it. You know, if you listen to a piece of music, it sounds, you know, you can tell how good that person is at playing the violin or whatever it might be. Um, same when you look at a painting, you can see the artistry, you can see the years of practice, but when you read a novel, or even or any piece of writing, in fact, that's good, it feels as though that's the only possible way that that idea can ever be expressed because it's so perfect. And so therefore, it kind of feels like a first draft. So this is my, the experiment is my way of basically sort of saying, look at my first draft, it's rubbish. <laughs> <laughs> um, hopefully not too bad, but, you know, I want to show that it just, just because someone has, has um, you know, had a, a global bestseller and sold however many, uh, copies and 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 had a film made. It doesn't mean that I just sit down and perfect prose flows effortlessly from my fingertips whilst I'm being fed grapes. Unfortunately, 
Okay, we're going to take a break. When we come back, we're going to talk more about the experiment, and we'll talk about how you use Scribner. Writing a book, screenplay, or even a long article is a juggling act. You need to find the right words and the right structure, keep track of research, and refer to notes. Tailor-made for long writing projects, Scribner is the go-to app for writers of all types. Scribner combines a typewriter, binder, and corkboard in a single app. A project outline makes it easy to get an overview of your work and flip between sections. Refer to research alongside your writing and just drag and drop to rearrange your work. Write in any order in sections as large or small as you like and let Scribner stitch it all together when you're ready to share your words with the world. With Scribner, you'll find everything you need to start writing and keep writing. Scribner is available for Mac, Windows, iPad, and iPhone. Download the free trial from ScrivenerApp.com. Right now with Scrivener listeners can get a 20% discount with the coupon code PODCAST. That's ScrivenerApp.com. So what is the experiment about? What's the plot? What's the plot? Well, there is none at the moment. I've asked my... We're very early stages, um, and I'm, sl- I'm already slightly behind because um, a few uh, issues have come up over the weekend which have slightly thrown me but that's part of, that's part of the process i think that's that's equally valid to just show to people you know i'm oh i'm already late because life happens <laughs> because and, writers are always late <laughs> yeah. but, you know it's just it, life happens and and i i think you know um you have to be in a certain frame of mind to write um, although I kind of resist the idea that the muse has to be with you and, it, and you know, the sun has to be in the sky and you have to have the right pen or the right, of, I do have to have the right software, obviously Scrivener, but, anyway, yep. but beyond yes. that. Um, and the right computer and maybe the right music. I mean, we all have our ticks, right? We all have things we have to have. Yeah, we exactly. But there is an element of just, you've just also got to just sit down and get it done. You know, a, pl- a plumber can't, ref- can't refuse to come and fix your tap because the plumbing muse wasn't with them that day you know, they've got a job to do and it's to an extent it's the same with writing although plumber is not a good example because they're hard enough to get <laughs> yeah but you know i, I was it's uh, uh, anyway so so a couple of uh, about a week or so ago i put out on my newsletter and on my socials social media um about i just asked people to suggest a starting point whether that be a setting or a character or a character name or or um, a first line and I've had a, quite a few, and actually the, the slightly difficult thing I've got at the moment is choosing the, uh, quite uh, several of them are sort of seem to be, they're giving me that tingle of something I'd like to explore. So um, my kind of challenge to myself at the minute is trying to decide which which way to jump, um, which, which, which one to go for. So I haven't got any fixed ideas of where it's going to go and what the plot's going to be, or even what genre it'll be in. You know, I, I'm quite, I'm quite, um, I've always admired... Uh, and envied those writers who say they just kind of get the tingle of an idea and they begin writing and see where it, where it takes them. So this is probably going to be my attempt to do that. Well, the first guest I had on this podcast, Peter Robinson, who passed away last year, and he told me that he would just start with a dead body and take it from there. Now, I'm sure the first few novels, it wasn't that easy, but after a while, he, he had his recurring characters you know, the main detective and the the minor characters. And after a while, it does flow in something like that when you're writing a, a series character. Yeah, I I can imagine. And, and I've just finished a book, in fact, which which I'm anticipating at least being the first of a series. So I'm keen to see if, if, I, if I can do that. 
um, you know, as in if I can, if I can just kind of start with the body and see where it takes me. But those aren't the books I've written so far. So um, yeah, I've asked, I've asked my followers and friends and fans and whatever you want to call them, people who people who are interested in my work anyway, to to suggest where a starting point. And I'm, I'm the plan now is to write a first chapter, and then to share it, and then say where do you think it should go? I was thinking it could go here, but where would you like it to go? Or have you got any ideas? And I reserve the right to disregard everyone's idea, of course. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Anyone whose ideas I do use uh, um, in any way, shape or form will will get uh, a credit, obviously. And if the book is eventually publishable and is published, they'll they'll obviously get a credit in the book as well. So how does one join this project? Because I definitely want to play along with this well it's all it's all been run through my substack which is sjwatson.substack.com uh, or i'm sure if you google sj watson substack you'll get it or also there's a link on my website so there's several ways but it's, it's been run through the substack with you know i'm i'm kind of pushing it out through twitter and stuff uh, and uh, and um instagram and and i haven't quite got to grips with tiktok yet but that that is in the plan in my you know head, you don't have see. to do tiktok <laughs> <laughs> I know, I know. It looks so much fun, but then, like you know, I think I overthink everything. Yeah, I admire those people who just sit down and and do it, but I I, I tend to overthink. But yeah, mostly through the through Substack will lead you into the the then you can sort of access it from other places. But the Substack is the way to go. Okay, so let's talk about Scrivener. Have you been using Scrivener since you started writing Before I Go to Sleep? Yeah, but before I go, I've written and I'd written at least one book on. Um, Scrivener before, before I go to sleep, um, it, it was unpublishable rubbish. Well, okay. It wasn't that bad, but it certainly wasn't something I would want out there in the world. Uh, yeah. So by the time I came to, before I go to sleep, it was at least the second full length project I'd attempted on Scrivener. Probably, you know, I've used it ever since. And I couldn't even imagine I, when I, when friends tell me they, they write on, um, and just straight onto Word, I always look at them and are kind of like, why would you do that? Um, but, you know. You know, one of the things that I hear all the time in this podcast is I don't have to scroll with Scrivener. And that's one of the biggest things. The way the binder is set up, I'll let you explain it in a second. The way the binder is set up, when you want to find something you've written earlier in your manuscript, you don't have to scroll and try to find it. Yeah, exactly. You just go, oh, there's chapter three. Click. Yeah. <laughs> there's chapter three. Um I, I just find it helpful in so many ways. I mean, not least of which is, you know, that ev- literally everything to do with a novel is, and is in one file. I haven't got to think, oh, okay, where did I save that? And I'm sure I've got that bit of research saved. Is it in this folder or that folder? Or is it on my desktop? Or did I, you know, it's all in one place, uh, which I find, including all the drafts as well, you know, so it's not like uh, you've got to hunt around your hard drive finding that great idea that you had. When you were working on Before I Go to Sleep, did you plot this out in advance or did you let each chapter, because because each chapter is a new day and the character wakes up Mm. not remembering anything. So it's like you're starting over again, right? Yeah. No, I didn't plot it out in advance. (laughs) And uh, I I had, um, obviously I had the character in her, her initial situation and I... I kind of knew, not not the end of the book, but the, the twist, without giving anything away, but the twist that's at the heart of the book. I'm sure you know, well, you know what, I'm, what, I'm, what I mean by that, I'm sure. Um, I had those two things, but I had no idea how, how I was going to get there. And the structure of it, the diary aspect of it came relatively, I kind of wrote quite a lot, sort of just going around in circles and realizing or, or, or thinking that I'd created an impossible task for myself. So no, I didn't plan it out. And, and, 
on the one hand, there are probably tens of thousands of words that I wrote that I ended up scrapping because I essentially didn't have a plan. Um, but on the other, I think if I had sat down to plan it, I probably would have tied myself up in knots um, and then decided to abandon it and do something simpler. So I think in, it worked out okay that I didn't plan it, although it probably didn't make my life any easier. <laughs> well, some authors I've talked to find that writing an outline means that they can do all the thinking and then do all the writing, but others don't want to be tied to that outline because every writer knows that as they're writing, the characters do things that they didn't expect. Yeah, absolutely. And yeah. they don't want to be stuck in, you know, chapter 11, I've said they're going to do this, whereas it prevents you from going off on an interesting tangent. Absolutely. And that's what I find. I mean, now, I, I mean, it's what now is it 10, 13 years later, uh, as leaving aside the experiment, which as I say, is, is going to be a week by week or a fortnight by fortnight, uh, you know, um, vomit draft. But uh, with with my kind of my other projects, um, I do a lot more planning. It's, I, I don't I don't plan in too much detail for that exact reason. You know, I, I think in the writing, things will suggest themselves, little ideas or twists, little character quirks that maybe you weren't expecting. So I don't plan it too much, but I do, I now know that there are certain things I need to have figured out before I, before I start writing. And, you know, not least of which is the beginning and the end and, and, and the midpoint or, you know, or, you know, there are a few, um, the major plot points. Yeah. And, and also there's a bit of kind of, sometimes there's a bit of background that I, in previous novels, I've kind of thought, oh, I'll sort that out down the line. I don't quite know why she does this or why he does that, but I'm sure I'll figure it out. And I know really there are certain things, if I'm resisting figuring it out at the beginning of a project, it's probably because I need to. <laughs> so it's worth, I love, I love writing. I do love, I do love the physicality of putting yeah, I'd love the physicality of typing on the keyboard, would you believe? But I also just, I love seeing a book grow. Planning bores me slightly, um, but I've kind of gradually come to the realisation that I need to do a bit of it or else um, I end up uh, going around in circles. And, I, and I'm getting to quite like the planning stage. I found, I found little tricks, little ways that I can make myself quite enjoy it. So. I think John Irving said that he starts every novel with the first sentence and the ending and fills in everything. And that's kind of interesting. Yeah. And, and what I heard, uh, he, he said, and the last, he knows the last line, word for word, you know, he knows the last line of the book and it never changes. I find shocking. I find, I can, I can, I, I, that surprises me because I can kind of understand knowing the last line as in a place to aim for. And when you get there, you're kind of, okay, might not be exactly that. But no, he says it never changes, which is interesting. So you are also into photography. Before we started recording, you said you like to use photography as a way to sort of jumpstart your creativity. Well, yeah, I think for me anyway, uh, but I think probably for, for all aspiring, well, for all writers, or, I think it's quite uh, important to have a creative outlet that isn't, isn't your day job. If that may, you know, and, and when, as I kind of touched on earlier, when writing became my day job, um, you know, I think I think it kind of ties in with it. When I was working as a clinical scientist, I was a person whose job was clinical scientist. I don't feel like I'm a person whose job is writer. I feel like I'm a writer. It's, it's so bound up in who I am and and my identity and my self, my sense of self worth and all of that that it's important for me to have a creative outlet that isn't that. 
Um, and and when I started the photography, I do street photography, which you know, as you, I'm sure you'll realise, just means pounding the streets looking for interesting thing, interesting things and people to take to take uh, photographs of. Um, when I started that, it, it felt very much as just a kind of um, a hobby. But I didn't expect what well, I didn't expect. But what I did find is that it does feed into the work, into the writing. But then I, I spent a bit of time thinking about that, and I realised it's because they're both kind of narrative. Um, narrative arts in a way you know with with writing i'm trying to create images using uh, i'm using a story to create images with photography i'm using images to try and tell a story and so they do actually feed into each other in a way i wasn't expecting but i do find very helpful good photographs do tell stories and all the well-known street photographers say that they try to tell stories in their photos and if you're out in london in the street you're seeing people and you're trying to capture something that that sets off the idea of a story in someone's mind when they see the photo yeah absolutely and and i think it's also a way of trusting your instinct you know sometimes i'll 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 see somebody or a, or a scene or a moment i think i want to capture that that's a photograph there. And I, I wouldn't be able to tell you why, why that particularly appeals to me or that person appealed to me or that situation. And it's the same, I think, when I'm, when I'm writing, sometimes an idea or a character will just come and I can't tell you at the time necessarily why they're the people I want to write about, why that kind of first line is the one that struck me. But uh, you have to go with instinct. Do the people you get in your photographs ever inspire characters? Um, not directly, but I think it all, I think it all feeds in. Yeah. Um, you know, I've never, I've never photographed anyone and thought, yeah, I want, I want to write about you, but I think it, it, it's about, as well as anything, it's also about, I suppose, training that observing part of me, uh, yeah, looking for the moment, looking for the, the thing that they do or the way they stand or the, or whatever it might be that sort of t tells me something about them, which I suppose is also what I'm trying to do with, with writing is trying to, to do that in reverse is to try and create, you know, describe a moment, which will then unlock an entire character. I like to ask my guests to recommend a book. Is there anything that you're reading now or that you've read recently that you'd like to share with our listeners? Um, well, I've, I, I've had, I've had, uh, I've, re I've recently read a book called, um, it's called Conviction. It's by Jack, it's Jack Jordan's new one. It's very good. Um, I really, really liked Erin Kelly's last one called The Skeleton Key. Um, I think she's on a real run of very, very good books. Um, and, and the last one in particular, The Skeleton Key, I did really enjoy. Yeah, that's my, that's my tip, I would say. Okay, SJ Watson, your new project is The Experiment, and I invite all our listeners to take part in this. Steve, thank you for joining me. Thank you. Thank you. It's been great. If you like the podcast, please follow it in iTunes or your favorite podcast app. To learn more about Scrivener, go to ScrivenerApp.com. Join us next month for another conversation on Right Now with Scrivener. <laughs>